Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Grand Terra Adventures. I am your executive producer and host, Sinstaku, and uh, with me today is nobody. Um, so, this past Thursday, we recorded Grand Terra as usual, and we had just about a full cast, except for William, uh, but the recording software that we were using, uh, known as Craig, uh, failed to record everything. He basically, uh, in the middle of recording, he decided to fuck off and didn't record everything after, like, 30 minutes. So, it was an interesting time. And uh, because of that, like, we, didn't, we didn't realize that he had left the recording area um, or that he had stopped recording until we finished three hours later. So... Uh, instead of trying to re-record it because we don't have the time to do that, or you know, also we wouldn't remember exactly how it happened, I'm going to give you guys a recap. And this would have been up earlier, but uh, I've been recovering from food poisoning over the weekend, and yeah, it's been a rough week. <sighs> so, anyways, last week we picked up right after our uh, right after our intrepid adventurers. Um, Got done speaking with the Andrew Sphinx that was at the center of the uh, was at the center of the Warrens. Uh, they had left the room, and once upon leaving the room, uh, Arielwyn's sloth had been returned to her, revived or resurrected. It was the same sloth, so she didn't have to spend a lot of time getting her eyesight back. Um, and they moved on to the next. The room that they were in was a plain stone room, and they moved on to the next room. The next room had a uh, what could be described as a tile labyrinth on the floor, basically a winding path of white tiles amidst a sea of black tiles. Um, the implication, uh, just upon seeing it, being that you know the black tiles are trapped, stay to the white path, whatever, or that everything is trapped and you're fucked no matter what. So, uh, Fakir and Dane, very carefully and cautiously, with dexterity checks the whole way, made their way through the room to, there were, uh, three additional doors in this next room, um, and checked them all out. Some of the doors were locked, most of them weren't, uh, and eventually, while moving, both of them failed their dexterity save to stumble off the white tile path onto the black tile path, and nothing happened. They continued to very cautiously stick to the white path, and uh, they determined that uh, as Fakir got further into the room, he felt a pull coming from the south, uh, something subconsciously pulling at his mind to the room to the south, so they decided to go to the south. Um, as the team gathered to go to the south room, uh, uh, Jeremy's character, Quinn, uh, just decided to... <coughs> Excuse me. Jeremy's character Quinn just decided to stomp her way through uh, the black tiles, and nothing happened, proving that the tiles in the labyrinth weren't actually trapped. Um, they moved on to the southern to the southern door through there to the next room, which was a room filled with broken weapons. Uh, upon examination of the room, they didn't find any immediate traps, and they did find a number of more doors. Um, one door, uh, some of the doors were locked, some of the doors weren't. Quinn tried one door without waiting, without checking, to, uh, Quinn tried a door without checking to see if it was trapped. Uh, I think somebody else had tried to see if it was trapped and they had failed to find. Um, 
and uh, it was hit with an energy drain trap, uh, which does a, did, did 104 damage that couldn't be healed uh, by any means other than a long rest or a greater restoration. So um, they wasted a few healing things on Quinn. Quinn tried to bluff her way into going on with only two hit points left. And then Aryawan used Greater Restoration, which restored her, her vitality. Um, then they moved on to... So uh, Kai and Fakir were feeling sort of a pull uh, from the uh, easterly door in the room. And as they went to investigate it, uh, Dane peeked through the door lock to see a floating figure opening the door from the other side. Because they'd been making a lot of noise in this room, and it was coming out to see what ha- what happened. Um, that was when the party encountered a lich, uh, and then they got into a fight. And the lich uh, tried to set off a lot of spells. Fakir countered several of them, not all of them, uh, but the team man- the party managed to handily defeat the lich. Because there were way more of them than it, and it it didn't get off its really good spells in the beginning. Um, then they found that in the Lich's chambers, uh, there was a, a, a not broken weapon, a large gold and silver trident uh, etched with symbology of waves and, and seashells, and um, a few other magical trinkets that they could find. Um... Fakir sat about identifying, uh, sat, sat about identifying some of the magic items they found in the loot of the thing. They found a rod of cancellation, which is a, basically a counterspell rod, and a ring of invisibility. Um, and Kai, uh, who felt sort of a mental calling to the trident, along with Fakir, um, uh, sat about uh, attuning to the trident. At which point, Kai learned that the trident's name is Wave, and Wave was the personal trident of Valkyr, the god Valkyr, uh, bestowed upon mortals uh, centuries ago, uh, and has been passed along ever since. Uh, he spent the last several hundred years uh, in the hands of things that couldn't attune to him, and thus alone and isolated. And he's very much happy for the company. Um, and he sort of talked Kai's ear off, uh, for the duration of the long rest. Um, and they also, you know, they also determined, over the course of the long rest and then shortly after, they determined that the Lich's phylactery likely wasn't in the area that they were in. Uh, they did, there was a, uh, a room to the north of the sort of workshop that Lich was working in, which appears to have just been their bedroom, and they spent quite a while rifling through the Lich's things, realizing that there was no phylactery there. Uh, they then continued on. Uh, went out into the antechamber of the Lich's uh, lair, uh, finding a library with several books, um, one of which was the was one of the books Arawen is looking for, um, uh, specifically of divinity and divine objects. It appears that the Lich uh, was trying to suck the divinity out of divine weapons and divine items in order to become a god of undeath itself, uh, which is something that Wave attested to, to Kai. Um... And as they were reading those books, Quinn and Dane uh, went looking in two different directions. There was a north and a south door on in this room. Uh, Quinn went out the south door and found what Quinn determined to be the exit. Uh, Dane went out the north door and found ropers. Um, so <laughs> the team very quickly reacted, trying you know grabbing Dane out of the grasp of the ropers, which had been a problem previously, and retreating back south. Where Quinn was waiting, where Quinn was hacking away at a wall of brambles to try to open up the exit. 
Uh, and the exit it was. They found the exit. And once out, Fakir's memory sort of lit anew. And he f- led them to the uh, settlement of the Ma'an Druids, of the uh, of the really long, complicated name that I'm too sick to say right now, of the Druids that protect uh, the, the various fonts of magic in Darlorati. Once they got there, they were greeted with amiability, uh, if not a few curious eyes, um, and uh, nobody. Uh, Kai was intentionally wearing Fakir's face in order, Fakir's younger face, in order to see if anybody recognized him. Nobody recognized uh, Fakir's younger face. Fakir. Nobody re- also recognized Fakir as he was now. Um, but they uh, made their way to the village elders, who, uh, dis- who in- describe who, to whom they described their journey. Um, and to whom, uh, in response, the elders said that centuries ago they had been entrusted with a item of sacred value, that they were told someone would come and ask for this specifically, and they were the first people to come and ask for it. So, um, they, they said, uh, if you take spend the night in our settlement, doing whatever you want to do, we will, uh, provide this seal to you on the morning. And they said, okay. And the party took the rest for the night. <laughs> they did a variety of things. Uh, uh, Quinn went out, Quinn tried to find a bar, but couldn't find one, so Quinn and Kai just shared uh, some beer in the barn that they were staying in, effectively. Uh, Ariawan went looking out for books, but found there were no books. They, this is a culture that, uh, this is a culture that uh, keeps their records orally, and um, you know, passes down their stories by 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 word of mouth and by storytelling, as opposed to writing them down. <clears throat> and um, Fakir sort of wander about, but nobody seemed to recognize him, so he was slightly confused about that. Uh, the next morning, they were presented with the seal of Eshkil and uh, told that the 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 council said that they were told. Whoever came for this would know what to do. Uh, Fakir asked, you know, if they knew anything about the uh, ritual that they needed to do to reseal Idos. Um, slightly disheartened by this, Fakir reached out to pick up the seal, and as he picked up the seal, the uh, the the tablet, sort of the clay tablet itself, broke. Um, and it was at that point that Fakir's consciousness faded. Everybody else sort of just looking on as Fakir picked this thing up and broke. Fakir, on the other hand, got flashes of memories from a past life. From uh, He got me- memories of these people that they had previously identified as Corlin the Immortal, Aeola the, uh, Aeola, the Avatar of Aeo, uh, Hasai the Platinum Fist, and um, Lou the Dread Pirate. He had flashes of adventuring with these people, killing a dragon, uh, wandering through a dungeon, facing off against Eidos. Um, he remembered his travels with them, bits and pieces of it mostly. Uh, more, most importantly, he remembered that his name was Eshkil, the Shade Warden, um, and that he had. Uh, the, he was the one who had determined when they were fighting Eidos the first time back during the time of the Alorada that in order to trap Eidos, they needed physical seals. <laughs> Something 
to serve as a bulwark between her and this world. And the only objects that they had had on hand had been her fr- his friends. Um, so he and the adventuring party known as the Champions of the Alorada um, put themselves as the seals of Eidos's prison. And Fakir split himself in two, uh, his body being Fakir and his soul being Shade Warden, uh, that his body might act as the seal and Shade Warden might act as the key. Um, and that combined, they would be able to unlock and then reseal uh, the current seal um, once they went to it uh, in Anar, the battleground of the gods, also known as the Lost Continent on the other side of the world. Um, so, the this all information came to Fakir very quickly, and he realized, part of what he realized was that he had left himself clues so basically the idea was that um, his he knew that the seal would not last forever and that when it started to weaken, he would awaken again as Fakir rather than as Eshkil. Um, and in that time, he needed to leave himself clues that were not so direct that anybody could follow them and help and, and break the seal and release Eidos, um, but that were, you know, subtle enough that it would intrigue his inquisitive personality and send him on a path to find this knowledge. So, um, he had gone back and had erased mention of himself from certain records, had replaced his name in certain records with Kazaru, had added his image to certain religious uh, sites and, uh, and buildings, um, just as subtle clues marking the way to the eventual path that he would need. And apparently they worked, because uh, Fakir did indeed find his way back to Ma'an, and now has not all of his memories, but the majority of his memories back. Um, and that is where we left off. So next or this week's episode will be opening up with right after Fakir uh, picked up the seal and it broke. Um, no one else knows that he's not Fakir anymore. Um, I mean, well, he still is Fakir, but he's now Eshkil. Uh, and I look forward to, I look forward to, at the very least, seeing what happens with the group. So, that was Grand Terra 48. Again, I apologize. Our recording software just decided to fuck off in the middle of recording for no reason, and we couldn't, you know, obviously we couldn't recover it, because it had been working so well I hadn't thought to use a backup. So, I will, I've rectified that mistake, and we do have a, we do have backup software recording just in case Craig fails. Um, but yeah, so thank you all very much for listening. Um, this is a much shorter episode than normal, obviously, and I apologize. Uh, I hope I was able to accurately, I mean, I'm, I know I was able to accurately recount the events of the past episode, and I apologize that you had to listen to me rather than listening to our wonderful cast doing all this stuff. Uh, next week should be, should be back to normal, so... Uh, we have been Final Show Films. We, pro- we provide a wide variety of content every day of the week. You can check us out at our website at finalshowfilms.com. You can also check us out on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash fsfilms. You can support us there with a monthly donation. Uh, thank you to our $200 supporters, Chris Comfort and Andy Tonic. Also, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, you can also support us with a one-time donation on our website with the PayPal Donate Now button. Click there. 
and we appreciate that. You can also find us on 411mania.com, a geek culture website dedicated to content and news and information regarding uh, wrestling and MMA and music and comic books and gaming, including all of our Final Two Films podcasts. So check that out. Uh, We appreciate them for letting us put our stuff out there, and we appreciate you for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one. (laughs) 